Brooklyn. What is going on, Nets fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and a welcome to another exciting edition of the Bridge to the Nets podcast right here on the Basketball Podcast Network, the number one place to get everything you need to know about your Brooklyn Nets. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I know I am. As always here, when you guys listen to these episodes, thank you guys as always for taking some time out of your day to listen and check out these episodes. I greatly appreciate this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Basketball Podcast Network are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. When you sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use our promo code TBPN and tell them Neil sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to mainly be recapping the, the, the last three games the Nets have played against Boston on Sunday and then the Hornets a couple days ago. And then, of course, the game. The game of all games this season. The Nets taking on the Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday. And there is a ton to talk about. And, you know, considering, you know, where we were, like where we finished the first ever episode here of the Bridge Nets podcast last week, obviously my mood is certainly a lot better. And I'm really excited to be talking to you guys as always and talking some Nets basketball. So let's not waste any more time and tip this one off. So we'll start with the, the recapping of the Nets game on Sunday, in which they took on the Boston Celtics. And the first main uh, big news story going into this one was the fact that for the first time in a long time, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would be playing together. So 7-11 was indeed open for this matchup against the red-hot Boston Celtics, who have really, over the last month and change, been playing some phenomenal basketball, led by, of course, Jason Tatum. And you knew that going into this game, there was going to be, it was going to be a tough matchup, to say the least. I think you knew that the Nets were going to have to come in and play a very, very good almost relatively perfect brand of basketball to beat this team. Because again, the, the main thing that I look at when I've seen the Celtics play over the last, you know, couple of, couple of games or, you know, more or less in the last month and change is just simply that their defense has been much, much better. I think they're a top five defense in the NBA right now. They've certainly, certainly locked it down defensively and so you knew the Nets were going in with a huge challenge again Kyrie Irving making his return to Boston and the the Celtics fans uh let him have it let him have it throughout the game and uh they were very unrelenting in this one they they definitely showed their displeasure that number 11 was back in town and you know looking at the game itself I would, you know, for the most part, it was a pretty good back and forth game in the third quarter. The Nets were up by as much as 11 points. And I did feel relatively confident that the Nets could win this game. And, you know, also Steve Nash returning after being on the COVID list. You know, obviously you feel, I guess, okay about it, considering that Jacques Vaughn did not do that good of a job um, in Steve Nash's absence. And it was just funny to see so many Nets fans talking about how Jacques Vaughn was so bad at coaching over that short period of time that people were like, yo, I really miss Steve Nash. And I was like, 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I would say, you know, be a little bit careful what you wish for. That's kind of the way that I, uh, I looked at it. But, you know, again, Steve Nash was doing, you know, the thing that he normally does, and that is making substitutions that didn't make sense, taking guys out when he shouldn't have, and really allowing the Celtics to get back into the game, grab the momentum. And you saw in the fourth quarter that every time the Nets got a little bit close, they just couldn't, you know, lock it down defensively. And Jason Tatum just had himself an absolutely phenomenal game. Kevin Durant, though, he had a Kevin Durant-type game. He dropped 37 points, added six rebounds and eight assists. He really, really was the man. He basically carried um, the Nets in that one. And Kyrie Irving, I'm sure he won't admit it, but I do think that he was definitely not intimidated necessarily, but I think he was affected by the Boston crowd. I don't think there was any question about that. Because when you look at his stat line, Kyrie Irving had 19 points, four rebounds, six assists. He really, really wasn't that much of a factor in this game. I think he let the crowd affect him a little bit, which is kind of interesting because some of the other times that Kyrie has played in Boston since he left, he's actually had some good games. We saw it in the playoffs. We've seen it in previous regular season games. So I, I don't know exactly if this time around it was just more of something that got to him, but he certainly did not have a good day, good game at all. And like I mentioned before, Jason Tatum, who has been playing at, relatively an MVP level of late, uh, he had a monster game. 54 points, five rebounds, three assists. I would say almost single-handedly took Boston to the promised land in this one. Uh, Jalen Brown also dropped in a solid 21 points. I think when you look at it, what was most impressive from the Celtics perspective is that each of their starting five players got double-digit points. Tatum at 54, Williams had 10, Marcus Smart 14, Jalen Brown, like I mentioned, 421, and even Al Horford had 13. And then you look at the Nets, and you have Durant had 37, Kyrie had 19, Bruce Brown, who you can make the argument that Bruce Brown has been one of the better players on this team over the past month. He had 16. Seth Curry had a disappointing game with only eight. Drummond, also kind of disappointing, had six. LaMarcus Aldridge, though, had 14, but it did unfortunately come with the price as uh, he would miss the next two games with an injury. Hopefully he can return this week as we continue to try to get to relatively full strength. But yeah, the guys off the bench really didn't uh, do a whole lot. I've questioned... Steve Nash in particular about why somebody like Blake Griffin, who brings a lot of energy when he gets on the court, why he hasn't been playing as much of late. Same thing with Cam Thomas, because I know Cam Thomas was hurt, and maybe that could be the reason why he's playing very little of late. But I do wonder, you know, Cam Thomas was killing it, and he can benefit from being on the court with guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and even Seth Curry but he's not playing. I, I don't know what, again, this just brings back the whole thing of why Steve Nash just pisses me off so much as a coach. Cause he really just isn't a coach. And that was kind of the very frustrating thing about that. And the nets, although would, would get it close. They just uh, unfortunately couldn't get over the hump as they ended up dropping this one by the score of 126 to 120. And the worst part about it is that uh, with that loss, the nets had officially dropped to under 500, which I don't think we've been under 500 in nets for the nets. I don't think they've been under 500 since um, I would say probably the 18, 19 team, the team that made the playoffs um, because it's really been a long time. If you really think about it, it's been a long time since the nets were really under 500. I mean, yeah, the nets were under 500 after losing the first game of the season this year to Milwaukee, but 
this is a little bit different being this far into the season, being two thirds of the way done with the year. So it was kind of one of those reality checks, I think, for the team to say, wow, they're really under 500. And they're not only fighting for a playoff spot, they're fighting to just stay in a playoff spot right now. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, there are a couple of teams behind the Nets only by a game or two that could easily jump them if the Nets don't get this turned around. If they didn't, if they don't get it turned around, that, that was the mindset after that game. And I remember taking a walk with, uh, with a good person in my life. And uh, he's also a very big Nets fan. And we were just kind of reminiscing about the 18-19 team and how much has changed since then and how frustrating it has been over the last couple of years of watching this team. And, you know, you think about a guy like Joe Harris, who's basically the only one left from that team. He's out for the rest of the year. We don't know when Ben Simmons is going to come back. I mean, you could make an argument that after that loss to Boston, that that was probably one of the lowest points we've had watching this team because you just wondered to yourself, A, is this team ever going to be consistent? B, you know, are we ever going to get to a point where the Nets are at full strength and winning basketball games? I mean, there, there's so much going against the Nets that it was really, that was a very deflating loss, even though the Nets only lost by six, six points and they were in Boston, but it felt like a very deflating loss. And I think in many ways, the Nets should have won that game. They, they, Kevin Durant was killing it, but Jason Tatum was just a little bit better in that game. And some other guys just flat out didn't step up. So that was the frustrating um, thing about that game. Now, you shift over to Tuesday night's game in Charlotte against the Hornets. Now, to say this was a big game is an understatement. And I, and I, you, I think we all have to agree that basically from here on out, every single game is a playoff game. The Nets cannot afford to lose too many, game, too many more games the rest of the way. Because not only are the Nets obviously trying to secure Cure at least a spot in the play-in round, but they're about, at least right now, the time it's recording, five games, I think, behind Cleveland in the standings. I'm not saying that there's a chance, but I think that there, I'm not saying there's a legitimate chance, but I'm saying that there still is a chance, very much so, that the Nets could maybe get on a hot streak while Cleveland is struggling, and obviously Jared Allen is out long-term with a fractured finger, so that could be a uh, a big difference for the for the Cavaliers moving forward um but you know the Nets could still very well make a run if they can start clicking if they can start clicking and uh you know you want to try to get as high up in the standings at this point in the year as possible I mean in a perfect world I would love for the Nets to end up finishing as at least the sixth seed don't even have to play in the playing round and go from there um you know worst you know worst case scenario I would prefer the Nets to finish as the seventh seed and have not one but two chances um, to win a play-in game and get in, to give themselves as many opportunities as possible. But uh, again, we'll, we'll see how things progress as we move forward um, through this season. Another big reason why this game was massive is that going into this game, the, the Hornets were a game and a half, or I think a game, um, behind the Nets in the standings. So the Hornets are fighting for a playoff spot right now and trying to get into a play-in round and also jumping the Nets. So you knew going into this game that it was major. And obviously for Seth Curry coming home, you know, his dad was in the building, Del Curry. You knew Seth wanted to try to come out and have a good game. And, uh, you know, look, um, Seth Curry had himself a okay game. He had nine points. But I will say this. This was one of the few times this season where almost start to finish, the Nets were the better team. The Nets came out, particularly Kyrie Irving, and we'll get to him in a moment. The Nets came out, and it was 
phenomenal. It, it just looked like that everything that they did was going right. And I don't know if it was more that the Nets were finally starting to click or it was more that the Hornets are really not as good as people say they are. And I mean, they're not, but they're an up and coming team with the talent that they have. LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, guys, I got PJ Washington. They have talent that if they keep building on, it could be a serious foe for years to come in the Eastern Conference. But this night belonged to Kyrie Irving. And I think Kyrie Irving went into this game with a lot of motivation because he knew that he didn't play well against Boston. And he, and he knew that if he had played even a tad bit better, the Nets probably would have won that game. And he, I don't want to say he was the reason we lost against Boston, but certainly him all, you know, not doing as much as Kevin Durant was doing. It cost the Nets um, to an extent. But the Nets knew they had to win this game. And from almost start to finish, the Nets were the better team. We were, the Nets were up by as many as 30 points in this game. It was so weird in the third quarter, almost feeling relaxed that you felt like, okay, the Nets are not going to blow this. And uh, I mean, towards the end of the third and most of the fourth, it looked like that as the Hornets were able to get on some a pretty decent run. and. I know it's kind of ridiculous that I was getting so frustrated about it, but I, I I don't want this team to let up in these type of games. I want this team to not only win, but win going away. I want them to win and solidify that they're going to win and don't give the opponents any sort of life in these type of games. But nonetheless, the Nets cruised, for the most part, cruised to a 132-121 victory in Charlotte over the Hornets. And talking about Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving redeemed himself by a lot as he dropped exactly 50 points in that win as he also finished with three rebounds and six assists. He did also add a steal and a block, interestingly enough. But Kyrie Irving, it was all about him that night. And Kevin Durant, he spoke about it in the press conference after the game that in the locker room, Everybody knew that Kyrie Irving, he, he had the mindset in him tonight that it was his night. And so Kevin Durant, who had a quiet game of just 14 points, which I don't even remember the last time Kevin Durant had that few amount of points. I mean, Kevin Durant was almost a non-factor in his game, which is really kind of funny. Um, but Kyrie Irving, you know, really redeemed himself. And everything he threw up was going in. And, yeah, I remember he was in the fourth quarter and we were up by 25 at one point. I was like, why is he still in the game? But then I realized that he was getting 50. I remember tweeting out on our Twitter account at Bridge to Nets. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Bridge to Nets. Um, I was saying, oh, when uh, I think Kyrie at one point at 39, I said, oh, yeah, Kevin, uh, Kyrie Irving is getting 50 points. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. As Kyrie Irving ended up dropping 50 points in this one, being the big reason that we won this game. So you go from being... One of the bigger reasons uh, that we didn't beat the Celtics to being the main reason that we beat the Charlotte Hornets. Now, is it a concern that we only won by 11 and Kyrie had to drop 50? It is a little bit of a concern, but again, it just kind of shows um, that a, a lot of the time in some of these games, you know, whether it's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, maybe even a Seth Curry or somebody like that could have a big night that could be the main reason that we win these games. I will say this though. What was frustrating watching the game, seeing Kyrie Irving doing so well, I remember yelling out, watching the game, now, can you please get fucking vaccinated? Because, and I say that, and I know I'm not the only fan out there that's saying that, but it just shows that, look what the Nets can do 
And look what Kyrie Irving can do when he's on the court. We all know what he could do on the court. Now, if he was a full-time player, I mean, that the, the sky is the limit. And we still don't know if uh, Mayor Eric Adams is going to change his mind anytime soon about the potential of Kyrie Irving being a full-time player. I think we may know more in the next 10 to 11 days. And I'm not saying that um, with any insight on the situation. I just think that as we grow closer and closer um, to, I get we grow closer and closer to the playoffs. I think uh, it's more of a, it's going to be more uh, interesting to watch to see how things progress because here's the other thing. Um, the vaccine mandate has been lifted, I believe, at this point. I believe it was lifted back on the 7th. Um, and I think it'll be interesting for Mayor Adams to see how things with COVID numbers and things like that go up and down. They go up and down. Um, you know, how it'll look over the next uh, two weeks. And I think if things continue to improve more and more, I think it will get to a point where Eric Adams will uh, heavily, heavily consider and decide that um, Kyrie can play full time. It is very frustrating, again, that we have to rely on a politician, as I mentioned before, um, to to uh, to play. I mean, to allow a guy to play. Um, but this is the this is the situation that we're in, and we just have to kind of deal with it. We have to kind of accept that that's the, that's where we're at right now. Um, but going back to Kyrie in this game, Kyrie Irving uh, did something that only one other player in NBA history has done, and this was from StatMuse, one of my favorite accounts on um, you know for NBA and stats and things like that. Go follow them at StatMuse on Twitter. Uh, they tweeted this out: guards in NBA history with multiple 50-point games on 75% shooting. Number two on that list is Kyrie Irving. Number one, Michael Jordan. And that's it. Those are the only two players in NBA history with multiple 50-point games on 75% shooting. That shows you how incredibly talented Kyrie Irving is and what he's able to do on game-to-game -game basis. And that's really a phenomenal stat. And so you got to give credit where credit is due. And uh, I can only speak as a fan to say the hope is, is that things improve and uh, Kyrie Irving gets the opportunity to be full-time because if he's full-time, I mean, I'm saying what everybody else has said for the last couple of months. If we're at full strength, you don't want to face us as the seventh or eighth seed. I mean, think about that. To have a great season and your opponent in the first round is the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, you know, Patty Mills, even James Johnson to a very, very less extent. Uh, I mean, it's it's very it's it's not something it's not an ideal situation to be in. So that was that. But again, great bounce back victory gets the Nets to exactly 533 and 33 and gives some confidence going into the matchup that was on Thursday. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team meets free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, don't worry. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now we move to the matchup of all matchups, the most anticipated game of the NBA season. Obviously, when you think about back to the beginning of the year, you didn't think that this game, March 10th, 2022, was going to be as big as it was. Uh, Again, obviously, Nets and Sixers, you knew even at the beginning of the year that they were going to be battling it out for not only top of the division, but certainly top of the Eastern Conference. But now, knowing what has happened with the whole James Harden trade and, you know, where the Sixers have been since the Harden trade and and where the Nets have been since the trade, you knew that all of it was going to come to this. And the only disappointing thing is just the fact that Ben Simmons wasn't going to be able to play. And uh, that was the hope. The hope was, is that when the, the trade, the Harden trade happened, that Ben Simmons, who didn't show, at least when he got traded, he didn't show any signs of being physically unable to play it felt like that he was going to ramp himself up to game level and maybe play a game or two um, and then be able to play in this game. And you knew that, especially if Ben Simmons had been able to play, this game would have been that much bigger. But it was still going to be big because the Nets had decided to have Ben Simmons be with the team and sit on the bench. And I argued, and several of us argued, that um, – Honestly, like it didn't make a whole lot of sense for him to be. Why would he be on the bench if he wasn't going to play? He was just going to sit there and get heckled. Um, Steve Nash kind of took it as, you know, he needs to, you know, get this out of his system and uh, experience this. It will still be a whole nother beast when he actually um, plays, but uh, it won't. It certainly won't be in the regular season, but maybe in the playoffs, we, you know, we'll see. And certainly it'll be the case down the road as he's going to be with the Nets for a couple of years because he's under contract um, and he'll be playing in other games against the Sixers moving forward. But uh, you knew that this was going to be hostile from the start. Nets players had talked about it prior to the game against Charlotte, that it was going to be a very scary environment. And you knew that the Wells Fargo Center was going to have extra security and things like that. And it already started way in the beginning of the day, in the morning. I mean, there were Sixers fans waiting outside the Nets hotel as Simmons was walking out of the hotel and onto the team bus to go to practice. You had people booing him, cussing at him, dropping, I hate saying it, dropping the N-word. I mean, it was, it's classic Philly fans. I mean, let us we have to call it like it is, people. The Philadelphia 76ers fans are some of the worst fans in the NBA. And Philly sports fans in general are some of the worst fans in sports. And a lot of you will agree with me on that. A lot of you will. I remember even seeing Sixers fans in comment sections left and right saying, you know, I hate to admit it, but it's going to be, we're going to be really bad to Ben Simmons. And there was a lot of anticipation. It seemed like there was more anticipation for that than really the anticipation of the game. It was more of how were the Philly fans really, really going to treat Ben Simmons? What were we going to see in this one? And I remember he when he first walked on the court during warm-ups, uh, during, you know, during pregame warm-ups, the fans were giving it to him hard. They were, they were really giving it to him hard. I know one time during warm-ups, he actually dunked it and the fans cheered. I know it was a sarcastic cheer, 
Um, but that was, again, that was a taste of what was to come. And, you know, you know, during the game, especially early on, there was the F Ben Simmons chance and things like that. I actually think it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but that's because of what happened in the game itself. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But I do want to give a little bit of credit to Ben Simmons that he sat there and took it all with a straight face um, and really just let it let it happen. And I think it's important for him. And uh, maybe it'll make it easier on him when he does play the first time um, against the Sixers in Philly. That will be a very interesting uh, game. That will be just as big as this game, you know, the hype around this game as well. So, again, that was the first major storyline of this one. But obviously, there were other major storylines. And the other one was the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were facing James Harden for the first time since the trade. And, the, and it was really a question of how were how was Harden going to come out and play against the Nets? How was he going to show us that the Nets made the terrible decision to trade, trade him away, this, that, and the other thing? Um, you know, how was Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving going to react playing against him? What were they going to do? I think we all, at the end of the day, expected these guys to step up and have big-time games. And uh, that was kind of the, the expectation going into it. Now. Before I get to the main game recap, there was one other thing that should be mentioned about the Ben Simmons situation. Uh, according to Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice, league sources are anticipating that Ben Simmons and his representation will file a formal grievance against the Sixers at some point in the coming days. Um, this was reported about two days ago, so I think it's only a matter of time before this happens. The issue at hand is that though Simmons did not play for the Sixers this season, Ultimately telling them he wasn't mentally ready to ready to take the court after asking for a trade, the team was finding him and withholding paychecks. Back on February 1st, ESPN's Ramona Shelburne reported that Simmons had lost over $19 million in fines since the season began. Each missed game cost him $360,000. He hasn't cleared a paycheck since the $8.25 million, 25% of his $33 million salary that was due to him. On October 1st, every two weeks, the team sends a notice with an explanation of all the fines he has accumulated for failing to render services instead of a $1.375 million paycheck. So if Simmons files agreements, it's with the intent of getting that money back. He'll likely make the argument that he was unable to be with the team for mental health reasons that the fines aren't justified. And we've heard from the Sixers already explaining that, look, you know, we made it very, very clear to Ben Simmons and... I don't, and we don't understand why exactly he's, you know, it's becoming this major of a problem. So again, it's the continuous, he said, she said type of situation that we're in right now between Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. So adding this to the fact that Ben Simmons was going to be sitting courtside with his team, just added to the anger and the frustration and all that stuff. Um, going into this and I was listening to first take and everything like that I could listen to prior to this game people talking about it's going to be a bloodbath the Sixers fans are going to going to do ungodly things to him like it was just things like that it was and you know I was hearing you know Philly native Charlie Mack talking about you know oh we're gonna we're gonna show Ben Simmons really just how much we uh, quote unquote appreciate him this that and the other thing like there were the Philly fans did a lot of talking prior to this game. And I remember sitting there prior to the game and I said, 
Nothing would make me happier than to see the Nets not only win, but kick the shit out of this Sixers team. It would it would be absolutely awesome. And right from the opening tip-off, I can say with 100% certainty, the Nets kicked the Sixers' ass. Because guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, and even goddamn James Johnson balled out in this one. And the tone was set right away. The Nets were hitting their shots. They were playing good defense. And then there was this moment in the first quarter where MB tried to take it to the crib. And KD tried to draw a charge. The ref ended up calling a defensive, a blocking foul on KD. KD got right up and went right into Embiid's face, and they started talking mad smack. The fans were loving it. I was loving it. And it was showing that Kevin Durant and the Nets were not going to back down to the Sixers, is that they were ready to play this game a long time ago. And they wanted to come in and make a statement. And damn it, they didn't make a statement in this one. They absolutely came in and did not want to take any prisoners. They really, you know, they wanted to do this. They wanted to kick their ass. And I'm going to call it like it is. James Harden checked out before this game started. And yes, he did hit a three early in the game that moved him to third all-time on the NBA's three-point shooting list in front of uh, Reggie Miller, whatever the hell it was. Congratulations to him, yada, yada, yada. But other than that, he was soft as Charmin. He was really, really bad in this game. And we'll talk about that a little bit more detail later on, but he was just a non-factor. Just calling it like it is. He was a non-factor in this game. And it was no contest right from the start. The Nets went up by double digits and did not look back. At one point, we were up by 35 points in Philadelphia. And it was great to see the Philly fans midway through the third, already walking out, you know, walking through the turnstiles, leaving, going home. It was great. It was hilarious. And I was watching former net great and also Sixers great, Dr. J, Julius Servant. He was ringing the bell before the game, sitting there, cheering on the Sixers. And at one point, he's just sitting there disgusted by the Sixers performance, looking at his phone. Not even interested in the game. So maybe Dr. J should reconsider what team he fully supports uh, after that one uh, on Thursday night. But it was great. From start to finish, it was great. And I remember sitting there and saying, when was the last time we felt this good in the third quarter, especially on the road against a good team like the Sixers? It was unbelievable. It was great. It was an overall great night. And... Like I said, no contest, and the Nets ended up blowing out the Sixers in Philadelphia by the score of 129 to 100. I was really hoping we'd keep them under 100 points and and win by 30. Neither one happened because at the end of the day, both teams put in their, you know, emptied their bench at the end of that game. But it was absolutely phenomenal. The Nets finished with a career high, with a season high, I, it was a career high. I think it was a season high in blocks, 15, and also tied their season high in steals with 13. So, yeah, we scored 129 points. But let's talk about the defense. That was the best defensive performance that I've seen this team play in a long time. 
They came out and wanted to shut down the top guys on this team. And yes, at the end of the day, Joel Embiid still had 27, but Harden had 11. And you know why? Because Kyrie Irving wanted the challenge. Kyrie Irving took this game and took the situation with James Harden very personally, rightfully so, and wanted to not only win, but embarrass James Harden. And Kyrie Irving finished exactly with the double amount of points that James Harden had. Kyrie Irving had 22 points, four assists, five rebounds. Kevin Durant, 25, 25, excuse me, Kyrie had 24 points, four rebounds, five assists. Kevin Durant, 25, 14, and seven. Kevin Durant, 25, 14, and seven. The man had a double-double and was an absolute beast. And I remember that early dunk he had in the first quarter. And, you know, he went right, they parted the, the blue, red sea, whatever the hell you want to call it, right up the middle of the court. And he just went up and right-hand dunked that ball and just snarled at the fans and started cussing and yelling at him. And you knew that Kevin Durant, Kyrie, they played this game down up until the game started. And they took it personally. Because they wanted to show up James Harden. They wanted to show up the Sixers. They wanted to send a message to the league that just wait for this team to get fully healthy and playing basketball like this on a night-to-night basis because you don't want to face this next team. And it was great to see. And and, And Kyrie Irving, he just wanted to come out and send a message, and he certainly did. And you got to give him credit where credit is due. It was phenomenal to see him play on the defensive side. Bruce Brown had 11 points, had a couple of steals himself. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal game for Bruce Brown. I think almost all of his points came off of angry dunks. He dunked it with authority and looked at the crowd. Andre Drummond, who did get hurt um, with an ankle injury, I don't think it's anything serious. At least that's what we hope for. So he still had 7.7 rebounds. He had three blocks, including blocking Joel Embiid. So Drummond was not backing down. Seth Curry, you know, son-in-law to uh, Doc Rivers, he showed up big time, 24 points. And I remember that one three. He had two threes that were great. One in front of Nets bench, and he just kind of dropped down the three signal right there. And then... Earlier in the game, he knocks down a three right in front of the Sixers bench and just looks at every single one of them, just stares them all down, and then runs back back on defense. That was great. It was it was just phenomenal. And then let's talk about James Johnson, all right? James Johnson may have had arguably his best game as a net, which is not saying a whole lot, but James Johnson had 16 points, three rebounds, and three assists. James Johnson finished with more points than James Harden. Think about that. We all crack on James Johnson, rightfully so. But James Johnson actually had a half-decent game and finished with five more points than James Harden. How awesome is that? Really, how awesome is that? You absolutely, as they say, you love to see it. It was tremendous to see this team do the damage that it did in this one. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. As I mentioned before, Embiid had 27 points. Uh, he also had 12 rebounds, added two assists. James Harden had 11 measly points. And uh, I saw them working on his hamstring uh, during that game. So uh, all of a sudden, his hamstring, after playing well the last couple of games, his hamstring not doing so well. Hmm. I didn't see him uh, running up the stairs of the Wells Fargo Center after the game like I've seen him post on social media several times. So, hmm. And uh, I think you just got to call it like it is as well. 
James Harden, he just flat out checked out. And everybody's saying, oh, you know, he, you know, he just wanted to get through this game. So you mean to tell me that what only one of the four main guys didn't take this game seriously? Joel B took this game seriously. And he still missed a boatload of free throws. Boatload of free throws. Okay. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. This is not going to be a one-time thing. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, this is just one game for the Sixers, blah, blah, blah. No, this is not going to be a one-time thing. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sent a message and showed that the, that the Sixers have are, can be beaten and show that they have holes. And they gave some of those guys that were filling the holes to this Nets team. So at the end of the day, this was exactly the type of win the Nets needed. This is one of the biggest wins they've had. There are three wins that stand out to me the most this season right now. The comeback against the Knicks, beating uh, the Bucks in Milwaukee with just Kyrie Irving, and then winning this game. And this is going to give this Nets team so much freaking confidence moving forward. This is going to show that we could do some serious damage and that this team is starting to build chemistry. Even Patty Mills was knocking down shots. Patty actually had himself a pretty decent game. He had 10 points, knocked down a couple three-pointers. He's actually playing pretty well. And again, James Johnson came off the bench at 16. Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton. He came in. He had the job of having to go up against them, beat in, dominate him. But he, he played some good defense, did a good job of boxing out, getting some rebounds. Good on him. Also, James Johnson, by the way, had five blocks. Five blocks. James Johnson. What the hell? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to see that. And Claxton was one point and two rebounds away from a double-double which is actually pretty awesome. He had a three uh, blocks as well. And this also was one of the few times where I said, Steve Nash didn't have to do anything in this game. He didn't do anything wrong because he didn't have, he couldn't do anything wrong. He didn't, I, I get, I, no, I'm just saying right now, I give him no credit for this game. All he did was he just put out the starting lineup and let him go and then put in guys here or there when they had to. That was it. That was it. He didn't have to. He he didn't have to get involved, and that was awesome. And I hope that that can be the story moving forward for the most part, because in that way we could all deal with Steve Nash, right? I think we can. I think we can. So that's the way I look at it. That was phenomenal. Nearly a thirty-point win. Uh, Ashley Nicole Moss covers the NBA, I believe, for Yahoo. She tweeted this out: Kevin Durant is the greatest basketball player in the world. I see no argument with that. Joseph Sai, our owner. With the best tweet of the night, he goes, took care of business next. I mean, that was a stone-cold type of uh, reaction. That's a stone-cold reaction. And Kendrick Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, who has been the biggest supporter of James Harden and Joel Embiid saying they're the next what, like Stockton and Malone, Kobe and Shaq, you know, Jerry West and Kareem, whatever, you know, or Jerry West and Wilt, excuse me. I mean... He, he was comparing him to the greats. He said, I have to tip my damn hat to Kyrie tonight. He guarded Harden all night long and took it personal and made him fold like clean sheets. God bless America. But obviously, I heard him on first take, and he was still trying to defend the fact that, uh, oh, it's just one game, just that and the other. No, no. I wouldn't be surprised if this is going to affect the Sixers for a while. So I'm just pointing that out. Also, just wanted to leave one, leave you with one more statistic. James Harden, 17.6 field goal percentage against the Nets. That's the worst in a game since two, since January 29th of 2017, minimum 
15 field goal attempts. It was also the third worst field goal percentage in NBA history against his against a, a former team. He and, and also Harden has the fourth lowest field goal percentage against the former team as well. So two of the top four worst field goal percentages are with James Harden. And I don't want to deny that James Harden is a great player. And he did a lot of good things when he was with the Nets. But the way he left Brooklyn and everything like that, say what you want about Kyrie Irving being the team shredder, this, that, and the other thing. Kevin Durant chose to lead the team the wrong way. And uh, this was the first and not going to be the only time that the Nets made, made a statement, made a statement, and uh, really, really impressed um, in many ways. And that was great. And also what was great was hearing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving backing up Ben Simmons, you know, after the game and in the press conference saying, you know, that's our brother. You know, you mess with him, you mess with all of us. And, uh, you know, it was awfully quiet. And the chance started, you know, really weren't there when you're getting blown out by 30 plus points. And that was really a great thing. I also love that when uh, Katie was getting interviewed uh, on the court after the game by TNT, Drummond came by and said, like, you a beast. You, you the real deal, man. You, you for real. Like, you know, he's been hyping him up since he got here. And I, and I love that. And I absolutely love that. And it was a great night. And the Nets win two in a row. They go a game over 534 and 33. And it's, it's great. It's great. And you think about it, we got 15 games to go. And there's a lot of teams that the Nets play next that are still fine for playoff spots and things like that. So like I said before, this is going to be a playoff-like atmosphere for the rest of the season. And the Nets got to lock it in. If they're locked in like this throughout these games before the playoffs start, they're going to be a scary-ass team in the playoffs. I'm telling you that right now. And this was a statement victory. This was making a massive statement to the Sixers, to James Harden, and to the league that just watch out. Just be, just be careful when you play the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, coming up this week, and we'll obviously recap these games, uh, Nets' next game is on Sunday at home against the Knicks, so Kyrie won't play in that one. Hopefully Nets can win that one. Then they go to Orlando to play the Magic. So you look at these next two games as games that the Nets should very well win. So we hope that by the time Wednesday comes around, the Nets will be on a four-game winning streak. And then they're in Dallas taking on Luka Doncic and the Mavs the next night on Wednesday. Another team that they could they could beat. They could beat if they if they play well. So yeah, and all it, it would be great if the Nets can really start to get on a winning streak and develop more chemistry. And I think that's why you saw guys like Kyrie and even KD playing some in the fourth quarter because they're still trying to build chemistry together as a team. So that was great. But the bottom line is simply this, ladies and gentlemen, that was one hell of a statement. Winning by 29, keeping them to nearly under 100 points, blowing them out and keeping the beer, James Harden, to under 15 points. And you know it was a good game when James Johnson, off the bench, had more points overall. James Harden so I love it great win for the team and hopefully they can build upon this moving forward